both from listening to people talking and what you see on the television, it's fairly clear that if you really want to get people's attention, you need to involve food. <laughs> so, therefore, this is where we're going to start. Now, what I want you to do is think which of these would you prefer to have? Meat? Fish? Cucumber? Melon? Good, more than Leeks? Onions, and somewhere here, piece of resistance, garlic. So, that's one option. Second option, no, you, you get that as a package, that's not choose one, that is a whole package. Right, meat, fish, cucumber, melon, leek, onions and garlic. Or, if you prefer, you can have this very nutritious flakes which you can uh, boil up or you can make into a cake. Now, which of those would you prefer? <laughs> now, those who know their book of numbers would have already picked up the, uh, where the reference comes from. There's only one catch I haven't told you. If you have this lot, you've got slavery as well. If you have this one, you have freedom. This is meant to be imitating manna, by the way. Uh, I can't uh, find anybody selling manna, so I've got the closest I could to it. Uh, so, which do you go for? I'll leave you to think about that, and we'll come back to that as we go along. Right, what I want, where I want to start today, actually, and by the way, the topic today is Everyday Thanksgiving. And we're going to start by looking at Psalm 107, which will appear on the screen as well. Now, like a lot of Psalms, it's, uh, there's an element of repetition as we uh, bring things uh, to a point as we go along. So when you find we get to a bit which says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, could you all join with me in that part, uh, which uh, uh, comes, I think, first of all, in about verse 8, uh, a reading from the ESV. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way until they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. 
For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners of affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labour. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a plentiful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. We were reminded last week that any good sermon needs three points, so therefore here are my three points. One, giving thanks in the good times. Number two, giving thanks in the difficult times. 
And number three, giving thanks all the time. Giving thanks in the good times. If we look in this psalm, in verses 1 to 3, we are reminded that we've been redeemed and therefore we should give thanks because his steadfast love endures forever. The people of Israel gave thanks when they escaped from Egypt. The people of Israel gave thanks after they'd crossed the Red Sea and been saved from death. But it is very easy to quickly forget what God has done for us. This pile of things here, the meat, the fish, I couldn't get any Nile perch, so I'm afraid it had to be this. But the people in the desert were complaining. When we were Egypt, we had meat. We had fish for free, we had cucumber, we had melons, we had leeks, we had onions, we had garlic. And now all we've got every day is this manna. And they were moaning. They were moaning to Moses, they were moaning to God. Because they had forgotten what God had done for them. To be honest, I think they were being slightly rosy-tinted about what life was like in Egypt. I can't imagine a slave in Egypt would be having all of this every day. And they're probably fantasising about having a nice beef steak, when probably what they usually end up is uh, what's in this jar, which is tripe. Lovely stuff. But, it's easy, one, to forget what the good God has done is easy also to actually remember without being realistic about what our life was like previously. So, I think in the good times you'd think it would be easy to give thanks to God. And in some ways it is easy to give thanks to God in the good times. But being human, we very quickly adapt to situations and something which we give thanks for 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 6 months ago, we now take for granted is something we ought to have all the time and if anything can start becoming uh, a bit boring. After all, when the people of Israel first got manna, they gave thanks to God because they thought they were going to die of starvation. But after, and where numbers come, it's only sort of fairly early on in the time when they're going uh, through uh, the desert. So it's not when they've been there for 40 years and they're thinking, oh, do we, is it what's on the menu for today? Oh, it's manna again. You know, it's probably they've been eating it for a few weeks or a few months. And they're starting to forget what God has done. Would you really want to give up your freedom and sign up to slavery, even if you did get all this for your lunch and your dinner? Well, the evidence would appear to be that most people would, based on uh, what the Bible tells us. 
So I think when we're in the good times, it's important to remember all the good things God has done for us. When I was growing up, there was an even older hymn, which I think had a phrase something like, count your blessings, count them one by one, which for people of my generation we thought was a bit, uh, you know, uh, soft and whatever. But actually, there's a good truth in that. Because if we don't reflect on what God has done for us, we will forget. If we don't reflect uh, with a proper seriousness about what God's done, we will start discounting what he has done for us. And start thinking, oh, you know, what, what, what has God really done for me? He's done so much, he's given us our freedom. To start with. Also, if we are used to thinking about what the good things God has done for us in the good times, we've got a good habit in place for when life gets more difficult. Because then we can still be reminding ourselves of the good things God has done. If we look at this psalm, there seems to be three reasons it suggests why we end up in difficult situations. The first one, from verse 11, is we rebe- people who rebel against the word of God, which leads to imprisonment and affliction. Secondly, when we get to verse 17, slightly differently, it's foolishly following sinful ways. It's not sort of, if you like, so much an outright rebellion against God, no, and being clear that's what you're doing, It's more uh, making unwise choices, ignoring what God's way for doing things are. But again, this ends up with loathing and affliction. But in each case, the the reason people end up like that is so that they cry to the Lord and he delivers them. Now, hopefully, those two are not issues which affect us, or affecting us at the moment. But if they are, what you need to do is respond by crying to the Lord for deliverance. But I trust most of us are not in that situation. But notice also... When God has taken them through those difficult situations, they're to give thanks for God's steadfast love. Because people who've rebelled against God, who have gone to live sinful ways, it is not loving of God to leave them where they are. And sometimes it causes its Difficulties which make people realise where their, what their true situation is and what their need is. Because as often has been said, the opposite of love is apathy. If God was not concerned about the people he, is, he loves, he would just leave them to go their own way. But the fact that he 
put situations in their life which causes them to question where, where they are, question what they're doing, that comes from God's love. I think the third group of those who end up in difficult times is the one which probably applies more to us. And in this passage there seem to be two groups who are just going about their normal everyday life and they get into difficulties. So you've got one group at the beginning who in verse 4 are travelling and appear to get lost in a desert. And then in verse 26 you've got people who are going about their trade at sea and they end up in a storm. There's no suggestion in either case that they've done anything wrong. There's no question of suggestion of rebellion. There's no suggestion of sin. They're going about their life and they end up in a difficult situation. But they too are told to give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. Because when they called to God, he answered. And for his wondrous works to the children of men. Sometimes it can be difficult to see why things which don't seem to be good in themselves are actually good. I think there's one example I can think from Lynn and my own life where uh, we could clearly see that happened. It's Sunday, the 1st of August, 1982. I don't know if you would remember where you were then. I know Jane would, because we've talked about that day. Uh, we discovered we were both in the same country at the time. Uh, we were both in Kenya. Uh, I was teaching at a school. Lynn was with me. We had Peter and Anna with us, who were about just over one year old at the time. Jane was a veterinary student at Nairobi University at the time. Huh? Yes, we also had Lynn's parents visiting us as well. And what the plan had been was for us to go and visit another teacher on the same scheme of us, who lived, I think, 50, 60 miles south of us, uh, for that weekend. Unfortunately, that teacher uh, developed hepatitis, and therefore we didn't go. So that Sunday morning, we were at home, and one of my colleagues, it's during the school holidays, so there weren't many people around, uh, were living on the school compound. One of my colleagues came and said that on the radio he had heard that there'd been a coup in Nairobi. So we decided that he was going to uh, listen to the uh, German uh, World Service, I was going to listen to the BBC, keep an eye, you know, what was coming out on the local radio so we would know what to do. <coughs> now, in many ways, our friend getting hepatitis was not good. But it meant that when that coup attempt occurred, we were at home with people around us who we knew. It also meant that we would, did not have this situation a day or two later of trying to get back from where he was to where we lived through a very unstable situation. The coup was put down fairly quickly and things stabilised within a few days. 
But something which in itself was not good meant that we were in a much better situation than we would have been otherwise. And so, you know, when it's sort of one of those situations when you're praying and you're thinking, what have I done? You know, we followed what we were sure was God's call on our lives to go and work there. I've now taken my wife, two small children, and her parents into a potentially uh, difficult situation. But God saw us through that. So sometimes, you know, we don't see the big picture. God will use a whole range of different things to see us through. We need to give thanks for the bits which we can... uh, give thanks for and thank God that he does look after us and care for us so as you probably be aware with what this is sort of bringing the series on everyday living in the spirit to an end We need to have a culture of giving thanks to God. Because if we don't give thanks to God, it allows our minds to get changed from focusing on God to focusing solely on the circumstances around us. And also, uh, where's the quote? There's a a quote uh, Sam gave me, it's uh, from Susie Voke, who's uh, part of uh, Cornerstone Church in Medway, at the last prayer and equipping. And she said this, when we celebrate, and obviously part of that is giving thanks, we stand against the lie that God isn't good. So when we look back at what God has done for us and we give thanks, we are reminding us, we are if you like, protecting ourselves against the lie that God isn't good. Moving on to the New Testament, in Romans in chapter 14, verses 5 to 9, there is a little bit there on giving thanks. Part of the problem with this sermon is that there's so many things you could say on giving thanks, I can't cover all of them. So if I miss out your favourite verse on giving thanks, my apologies, but it doesn't mean uh, you you should forget about it. So in Romans 14 and verses 5 to 9, it says the following. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honour of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honour of the Lord, since he give thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honour of the Lord and give thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. 
So, there are some things where there is not a clear right or wrong as to whether you do it. So, from the context of the passage, there are clearly some people who are fasting on particular days and other people who are not. Some people would say, you know, these days are more special and therefore because of that I'm going to fast on those days or they might be saying these days are more special and I'm going to celebrate more on those days. Other people will say all days are the same because they're all made by God and they're all for his glory. Therefore I'm not going to distinguish between one day or another. So you might have some people who fast on a Friday who celebrate Christmas and celebrate Easter. You might have others who don't fast on Fridays, don't celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate Easter. Does it matter? Yes, it does matter. What matters is what is the motivation. Whichever you do is your motivation to honour God and in what you do are you giving thanks to God? Or are you doing something to spite somebody else to show that you're different and you're more spiritual? And of course, the lovely thing about these sorts of issues is that both sides can think that they're more spiritual than the other side. So it's sort of a win-win situation for an argument in a sense. But, I think what I would pick out particularly, what, is your, what Paul is saying here is, what is your motivation? In, are you doing things which you can give thanks to God for? And when you are doing them, are you giving thanks to God for them? So, whether we live, we honour God through it, and we give thanks to God. If we die, we honour God through it, we give thanks to God. In both. Because he's Lord of all. In Ephesians 5, going on, after all, in this series I can't really get away without a reference to Ephesians 5. So Ephesians 5, verses 18 to 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reference for Christ. It's interesting. There's, I think there's a danger sometimes in, well, there is a danger sometimes in just quoting verses out of context. So with verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And often I've heard people refer to this verse about giving thanks in all situations. Interestingly, it brings in the Trinity. So we're giving thanks to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're going back to verse 18, because we're filled with the Spirit. So when we're looking at everyday life in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit... If it doesn't lead to thanksgiving, maybe we need to question, are you, actually filled, are you being filled with the Spirit? 
Because one of the consequences of being filled with the Spirit, this would imply, is that we give thanks to our Heavenly Father. But also, look at the context of it from verse 19. It's not a question here, really, of giving thanks on your own. Although there's nothing wrong with giving thanks on your own. From verse 19 it says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks. So, it's giving thanks together in the church, in the group of Christians joined together. So that when we are giving thanks, it's not just on our own. When we're giving thanks, we're encouraging one another. It is in the context of meeting together. Now, if my understanding is correct, in the New Testament time, the, their understanding of where the will and the emotions are are the opposite way around to the way we think. So, generally, the will was seen as belonging to the heart and the emotions to the head. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we tend to think emotions, heart, will, head. So when he's saying here, making melody to the will with your heart, it's not saying because you feel like it, because your emotions are telling you to do it. It's saying you're doing it because you've chosen to do it. It's an act of the will that I will meet together with my fellow believers and I will give thanks to the Lord. It's not, I feel like giving thanks, therefore I will. It's more, I will join together and give thanks. So don't avoid meeting together because you're feeling down and you think, oh, I don't want to go and give thanks now because I've got difficulties. That is the time you need to be here with your brothers and sisters and giving thanks. It might mean giving thanks through tears. If you were here 11 years ago, you'd have seen me doing that when we're going through a difficult time in our family. But there's still the decision that I am going to give thanks to God whatever the situation is. Because I know God is good. After all, if God isn't good, what what are we doing here? If God isn't good, you've got no trust that what Jesus did has got any effect. So if you trust in Jesus for your salvation you know that God is good. Therefore, let's live knowing that. I know God makes all of us different, all of us have different emotions, some of us find some things easier to respond to than others, and in different ways. And what some people find easy, others find difficult, and vice versa. But I cannot understand it, the situation when people say, you know, it takes them all time to get into worship on a Sunday. 
Because my worship and my giving thanks is not dependent on how I'm feeling at the time. It depends on who Jesus is. It depends on who God is. So I, w- I always will be... Will I will always choose to come and worship. Now, I know other people find that more difficult. And I'm sure there's things I find more difficult than they find. But whatever situation we're in, in that kind of context, the thing God can always do for his Holy Spirit is move us one stage on further. We do not have to stay where we are. We might not end up where somebody else is, but God can always move us on from where we are so that we can choose to give him thanks in all situations. And finally, I want to refer to Philippians chapter 4, and verses 4 to 7. Where Paul says the following, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, we are told here not to be anxious. Because anxiety is being uncertain. If you're anxious, you're uncertain about the outcome. But the solution which Paul gives to being anxious is to pray, to bring supplications, to bring our requests to God, but with thanksgiving. So as we bring our requests to God, we are acknowledging what God has already done. Now, I'm sure somebody will be able to find something to correct me on this, but to m- my perception would be that in the general case, when you're giving thanks for something, you're referring back to what God has done in the past. When you're asking God for something, a supplication, you're looking to what you would like to see God do in the future. So as we bring our prayers to God about the future, let us remind God about what he has done in the past. So if we have a culture of thanksgiving, it changes the way we see things. So as Paul was talking last week about everyday risk and the obedience which leads us to taking risk, We can trust God in risky situations because we know of what he has done in the past. Because he has seen us through difficult situations in the past and where we don't always know what the result's going to be. Could the band come back up now? Coming back to my example of the food at the beginning, the people of Israel had quickly forgotten what God had done for them. When they went into the promised land, they were told, make sure you remember to tell your children what God has done. 
so that you don't forget God's marvellous deeds. You don't forget to give thanks to God for what he has done. So as I bring this to a close, what I want to do is read a psalm which was written to do that, which is Psalm 136, which again will appear on the screen. But I want to do this as a responsive psalm between the two groups. So if you look at the verses, in each verse there's a phrase such as, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And then there's a response to that, for his steadfast love endures forever. <coughs> now I want to do it slightly differently. So what I want to do, we'll start, I'll lead this side over here. We'll start with the first half of verse 1. And then Ian and Carrie will be helping this side here. You take over with the, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then do the first half of verse 2. So you, we're reminding ourselves that God's steadfast love endures. And then you can speak out another thing to give thanks God to, to this side. So then we pick up on this side, for his steadfast love endures forever, responding to it. And then we go to the first bit of verse 3 to speak out to them and so on. Does that, hopefully that makes sense. If you get lost, don't worry, just keep going. And uh, you'll, be in, you, you'll be in time with somebody or another. So, starting from verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him alone does great wonders. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights. For his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day. For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. For his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Ethrow out from among them. For his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. For his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings. For his steadfast love endures forever, Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his steadfast love endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan. 
for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. For his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our lowest state. For his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes. For his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord heaven. For his steadfast love endures forever.